What's up, everyone? We're back for episode two of the Fishing Hour. What's going on, baby? How are we? How are we doing today? <laughs> I had to throw it in there with some jokes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so sorry, everyone, for the delay. Uh, life got in the way. I uh, And I'm also a little stupid. I uh, deleted the second episode that we filmed a couple weeks back. So. It's all right, baby. We run it back. Yeah. Just run it back. I mean, it hurts a little bit but because it was fire, but yeah. we'll come back with more fire. It was a good so. episode. But it was. It was, but right. it's all right. We'll, uh, we'll run it back like we normally do. Uh, so let's get into it. Well, we left off uh, last episode talking about uh, Florida tarpon stories and just stories in general about how we were fishing in other states, other areas. So let's let's just yeah, dive right just into different it. highlights from the year. But yeah, no, nah, I, I I mean I think the last episode was good. We appreciate the feedback we got. I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that we do have an Instagram. Uh, you can follow us at the Fishing Hour underscore Pod on Instagram. Um, you know we're just probably going to post some bloopers in different parts of these bits um just want to get in touch with you guys you have any topics to share or whatever feel free to reach out but yeah anyway um so we talked last week about some of the highlights of our year and some of the really fun experiences that we had on the water and um you know i, I don't know about you vin but the last couple of weeks ever since we had that episode i know we talked about it on our on our tryout let's yeah, say last week yeah, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> even more stories started to come to me because like th- this year was just absolutely incredible from long island fishing to you know going down south florida different places upstate lake cayuga and the finger lakes lake seneca really cool year um so yeah i, I guess i'll say I, I know what i'm gonna get into but yeah what do just you... just dive right into uh, yeah, it's all right. where so, we left off okay. i think you're talking about tarpon something yeah like that. yeah yeah so i mean just to expand on that right tarpon fishing this year was awesome um like i had mentioned i caught my pb in june i got some shit for it so i will shout out cap evan for uh doing the uh doing the net job <laughs> phenomenal net job but uh yeah no so it was, it was cool going down there just seeing those fish boiling was really cool but you know, it's not really a particular story. I, I mean, a couple highlights on, on a couple of my trips, but just in general, dude, I just want to talk about the um, the fishery that the Gulf provides, right? Everyone always constantly thinks of Florida, like the offshore fishing opportunities. Right. Don't get me wrong. Catching, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially the fact that you're 52 miles from uh, the Bahamas and the access is relatively easy. I mean, there's people catching... Blue Marlin and Mahi and Wahoo and shit all the yeah, time. All, all different species. All year round. The whole you've rainbow seen these species. I mean, some species have migratory patterns, obviously. A lot of them do. But down there, the water's and so Florida's warm. so vast, too. It's yeah. like, you know, it's a complete panhandle. So you're fishing north to south. Of know, course. And, and different opportunities, right? Florida's awesome, just like a lot of other places. But I never really realized how good of a fishery the Gulf is because, you know, I, I, it's all about access. Being in the Gulf, you're you're on a flats boat and you're running out right. 10, 15, 20, 25 miles. There's guys that run even further than that. And you're fishing in one foot of water on some skinny, remote mangrove island that's, you know, half of a football field all the way around. And, uh, you know, there's these crazy opportunities where you're seeing these monster snook and, and tarpon. And, and just being out there this year, I, I actually had the opportunity. We went out with one of these guys from uh, Bud and Mary's. And I mean, what a great marina! Obviously, its yeah, reputation speaks for itself. But those guys are so dialed, and they—they uh, they, one of the captains down there. He he took us out on a day where we were fishing, and I, you know we've hooked up some some really sizable snook. I actually caught my PB that day as well, and um, you know jumped the first one, and the second one on this spot um, got smoked, and I was like, this is a sizable fish, and after about. 15 30 seconds it just started the, the line picked up even faster and i was like damn and that's a shark it's like yeah. there's such crazy life out there i mean at the end of the day we pulled up on a spot and uh evan actually hooked up to a snook and got him out really nice snook and by the time he got on the boat there was three lemon sharks that were just hanging out right. and and just came in and swallowed the whole back of it all he got was the head you saw the picture yeah i mean that's that's really like when you fish in other areas i mean even in new york we experience it from time to time but that's the catch of it you know great fish uh, great species but there's always the tax man i mean yeah the happens. tax man is real that's for sure yeah. and I, everyone's lost fish and i mean that's there's different guys with different uh yeah everybody's you know, got a story stories the that they're pushing man. down there and the, you know i know that the shark fit the sharks in the water and the fishery down there is, is you well, know yeah, pretty you out of control think, but, you know 
sharks they thrive in or most of the most species at least thrive in that warmer that water. warm so, water so i mean we everywhere. get a touch of it here right for a couple months yeah. but like down there it's yeah. It's game on. 20%. But it's it's even phenomenal. I mean, on you know, on the way back, you don't even have to go far. Those are those trips like that. But even being at the house, some some of the coolest things I saw at the house were, were like you know, we're right right near the water there. Right, right you at go your feet, yeah. yeah, and you're looking down under the docks and you're seeing you're tarping. We, we we would go out there at night, just have a beer and 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 sit out back with a live pinfish on and yeah. You know, ten tarpon bites in three, four hours. Like yeah. it happens. No, it's nuts. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was actually down down in Florida, in Cocoa Beach area, like Melbourne, Cocoa, Cocoa Beach, that area, uh, with my fiance and her family. We rented an Airbnb, and in the back there was a, a small canal that was leading off the Banana River, and we're fishing there back there, uh, back there one day, and you know, you just see a ruffle in the water, and it's like, what's going on? And next thing you know, it's a manatee. Yeah. So it's like you yeah, never know those, what's gonna come up. And those things are they're, they're, they're harmless. So friendly, they're awesome, but, but they, they're so used to people too. But they're like massive. You, you could you could spray a hose in their mouth. They're like, yo, yeah. good looks for the whole. Yeah, water. no, Appreciate he loved you, it. Like guy. he he was coming up eating the mangrove trees. He was having the time of his life. But at first, I was like, yo, what is that? Because it's just a dust cloud coming up, and then it's just like I don't know, eight eight and a half foot manatee, like massive. It's literally yeah, like a cow. Gigantic. You know, what you've I mean? seen you've seen the videos on Instagram. Obviously, when they go yeah, buck when wild. they go nuts, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They're they're powerful, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, at one night we saw, uh, we we're just in the canal. We we had been dropping baits for a while. Just look under our feet. About two hours into it, eight eight and a half foot bull shark just fucking. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like right under this dock, and I, I say it all the time. I tell you know Evan and Matt that. I'd rather jump off the boat at the reef than swim down that canal at night. There's, there's oh, because it's like a highway of food to them. They know, yeah, you know, that bull sharks. I it's, mean, it's nuts. We've seen lemon yeah. sharks eating all kinds of shit. It's it's nuts. All right. And the key to it all is what are they all? They're all predatory species. Yeah. So they know how to feed. There's yeah. a reason why they're apex predators. All of them. They just list. I mean, not the manatees, not an apex predator, but the rest of them are. And, you know, there's reasons why they're on the top of the food yeah. chain. You know, they devour anything in sight, including yeah. our fish Absolutely. that we catch. And nah, but, even the ones that you don't catch, they're out there. For them, it's just a regular day. Like, they're not biting off fish because they're like, oh, I'm going to go screw with this guy. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like, they're just like, this is this, this is a regular, shot. regular for you, them. Yeah. You can't run from me. I'm, no, that's I'm a free snack. Yeah, it's you know a good look. I appreciate it's it. It's like a free lunch. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, that that's that's something that I really grew a passion for. I always loved inshore fishing, but that that's awesome. The, the, the Gulf of Mexico provides a ton of opportunities. I know even you go down to Louisiana. Chris will love the shout out. But you know some of the best tuna fishing in the world. Yeah, just well, just Dolphin Island. Yeah, and all that. it's it crazy. Nuts. So, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what it it was for me. I, I mean, locally, obviously there's some really cool opportunities. But um, yeah, I, what about you, Vin? What like, any anything come up in the last couple uh, weeks that you're like, damn, I need I should have shared that. I mean, last episode I was really thinking about how uh, I should dive into OBX because oh, yeah. I didn't get the chance to go this year, uh, 2023. Last year, I should say, because I forget we're in the new year now. Yeah, uh, happy new year, 2024. Everyone. Happy new year, yeah. everybody. Uh, but you know, not uh, 2023, but in the years prior, there was a three year run where we were in OBX, my family and I, and my fiance came with us too. Uh, it was lights out fishing, uh, great time. Didn't get to do any offshore fishing, which kind of sucked a little bit, but just wasn't the right timing for it. The yeah. days that we tried to go out didn't work out, but it's whatever. We make have, do. When you have that one week window on a yeah. trip that's booked a year in advance, yeah. you just can only it, hope. And know. it's, you know, it's, it's something that, like you said, you have a, a small window and you got to go for it and it just didn't work out. But the pier down there, there's a really long pier that goes out. It's like a ma- magnificent pier. It's a thousand feet out from shore uh it's called Jeanette's Pier yeah yeah. and the fishing over there is just it's incredible I mean there was one trip in particular the second year that we went that excuse me the fishing was a little bit better um than the other two years but altogether we saw Cobia we saw King Max we saw Spanish we saw everything Uh, all on a pier Jack Corval all on a pier it's crazy the Jacks weren't that big they were juvenile Jacks but you know the locals were saying big donkeys yeah throughout a certain time of the year I think it was like late August because we were going in early July the bigger Jacks come Uh, a couple guys were telling me that Years ago, they even used to get mahi off the pier, oh, like yeah. for like a week or two span. I mean, it's crazy, but it's it nuts. doesn't shock me. No, no, and it's 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 genuinely crazy to think that like you know you're just going what nine, eight, ten hour drive max because some traffic south, 
and you know the variety of species that you open up to is just insane. But yeah, down there was really cool. Uh, one of the key highlights that I you know that came to mind when just reflecting on all this was, I remember, uh, like I said, that second trip. I was trying to get it to Cobia so bad. Struck out, but a guy next to me was uh, pin rigging. And for those of you who aren't familiar with pin rigging, it's essentially a two-rod technique where this one, uh, the one rod acts as almost like an anchor device, mm-hmm. uh, and then the second rod is meant to hold that live bait, uh, snapper, bluefish, whatever, whatever, pinfish, whatever you know you're using out there. But it's mainly live. I mean, if it dies, whatever. But Live bait is the key because you got to think, you know, you, that anchor line is acting as your support and you can have that bait go up and down that line. And you can accustom it so that when the tide comes in, goes out, whatever the case is, the bait you, is you always open, sitting subsurface. You open subsurface. your drag up a little bit. Yeah, you open your drag up. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, the water's so clear down there that this we just see this massive cobia. This thing had to be like nearly 60 inches. I'm not, not even exaggerating. Dude, I would literally cry. Dude, it came up and <laughs> engulfed. Like, I'm telling you, it swallowed this cocktail blue this guy had out. Like, it was a nice cocktail. You know, like, one of those, like, 20-inch, like, basically a bluefish at that point. Yeah. Swallowed the whole thing. The angler was so, so, I guess, I mean, I guess you could say frantic. I don't know how else to yeah, put it. Didn't know, you I didn't mean, know what was going on. I mean, boots. shoot, 60-inch cobia, like, yeah. I'd be bugging out too, right? But You got one shot, too, yeah. to put something in front and of it. And he mean, set this hook, like, oh, just let's just... You know, for lack of a better term, just overly aggressive. Yanked the bluefish right out of the cobia's mouth. They didn't, they didn't get a chance to swallow it. That cobia looked at that bluefish, was kind of stunned. It was a little weird. I don't know if the cobia was sick or whatever the case was because he kind of like floated around it moved for a little slowly, bit, yeah. moved slowly, and then out of nowhere just darted off. And for the rest of the day, we didn't see one. Later on in the trip, I took a few shots at one, almost hooked up to one um, on a jig, which would have been sick, but last second he turned his head. Ended up catching some nice Spanish. Uh, there weren't any max on that trip, but it was just all in all a great trip. So, yeah, yeah OBX saying, is always a good time. Even, like, I think one time when we were in the car, one of our bullshit conversations that we decided to now record, because this is pretty much the same <laughs> yeah, thing we I mean, in the car. Yeah. But uh, you were telling me one, one time that the the culture down there. Like, oh, it's it, just different. And, and it's, it's like, different. especially around those kind of fish, yeah. right? It's, it's, a, it's the trophy species when you're on that pier. Right. Everyone kind of like it's whoever sees it first who yeah, takes the so shot. The way know. it kind of works down there, it's, it's actually pretty cool, and it functions on a high level of respect, um, kind of like an honor system, but for fishing. Essentially, whoever spots out that cobia, because like I said, the water's clear, uber clear water. You can see these things. I mean, mind you, they're also massive, right? And they tend to, to come on the surface when they swim, and that's how they just they feed in general. You can see them come up. And when they're about to strike. Yeah. So when you get that glimpse of this brown, you know, fish, this big brown structure just swimming through the water. And uh, the first time I saw one, honestly, I, I'm mistaken for a shark. Because yeah. they really do look oh, like sharks, especially in the profile. water. And over there, there's a lot of black tips that are around the same size. But nonetheless, when you see one, you know, you basically call it out and you get the first cast at it. And that's kind of how they, they do it down there. You know, there People was, actually have respect, and unlike Green Island. Yeah. <laughs> respect over there flies high. Like, yeah. when someone's hooked up to a quality fish, and, you know, no fish is a trash fish, but I'm talking, you know, when, you, when you're hooked up to a black tip or a spinner or, you know, whatever, any type of shark or ray, you know, you get the, the nod, you get the, all right, nice, you know, cool catch. You. But when you're hooked up to a cobia down there, the whole pier drops what's going on. Yeah. Who's grabbing the net? Who's, Get out the way. you know, who's really reeling in their out. stuff, who's taking yeah. out their pin rigs, who's keeping a lookout, because usually Cobia come in school, so they got other guys looking. It's really like a well-oiled machine, and all the locals have it down to a T. You know, it really makes me think, like, if we could get that in New York, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But, you know, it's also just a different fishery Dude, down who there. Who knows? I mean, just look at the fishery over the last couple of years. Even, even like, Jersey, right? Jersey's seen some massive drum. And there's traditionally been drum in Jersey. Right. But you're seeing, like redfish you know i i wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years you're seeing snook and shit up yeah there. i mean look we there was a day uh out in august um I was, I was with my brother and my cousin yeah. and we saw bonito like non-stop i mean mind you we get bones over here but i'm talking right off the surf yeah. and it was insane like not one not two massive schools of bonito yeah and i they, mean they and, and that's here. always been traditional but like 
Yeah, but in, to come the, in, in close the, in, like that, and like, in the in the counts that they're coming in now, right. and you're that's, seeing them, they're the accessible part. off the right. beach. I mean, look, Snook might be a little bit of a stretch, and who knows, maybe 15, 20, 25 yeah, years I mean, from now, as water starts to get that. warm, yeah. stuff like that starts to push up. But I really think like fish you see down in like Maryland, and, yeah, they're making uh, their way up. They're, 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 they're gonna make real. their way up here. So, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I, I definitely I haven't been to the Outer Banks myself, but. I, I want to go down there because for now that's that's the opportunity to catch something like that from the pier. yeah no it's it's a great fishery I mean it's just incredible because you get that Floridian feel kind of like when you're down there but it has its own spin on it because again Outer Banks it's such a, a a narrow piece of land where you could be you know hopping on a boat going offshore and then turning around and fishing the lagoon for redfish all when the seasons are lining up of course but yeah it's really spectacular it's I recommend it to anybody who can get their their you know the ability to go down there take the shot because it's yeah. worth it 100. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's that stuff we experienced, but like, you know, it's it's awesome what what fishing allows you to do and just like the traveling capabilities. Like, obviously, these places are awesome to get to, but there's also a ton of stuff locally that that we'll talk about. But just in general, Vin, I I want to ask you, um, out of the places you haven't been, right? Like, what's what would you say are like your three I don't want to say bucket list spots, but just like locations that are or a fishery that you want to experience in your lifetime. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I always think about this uh, from time to time, especially when I'm bored and just you know dreaming. Um, one of them has got to be 100% uh, Tropic Star Lounge in in Panama. I know it sounds a little cliche because yeah. you know all these big YouTubers are doing it, but but it's I mean it it's, is what it is because there's of a reason why they're doing it. It's yeah. insane. You know you got a spot where you're a couple miles offshore not even a couple miles a mile two miles sometimes yeah, and you have an opportunity to catch kubera snapper marlin roosters, tuna rooster roosters. everything under the sun you know you're talking dorado that get up to 60 pounds like what that's yeah. it's one thing to catch fish like that it's another thing to catch them and then be right next to a mountainside or you know in a valley where the ocean just cuts through because of the, the layout and the land over there that's insane. So that's yeah. definitely on my bucket list. Um, you know, if I could accomplish that or just even get the shot to do that for a couple of days, even a day, I'd be so happy. Yeah. Another place on my list, and I'm pretty sure it's on a bunch of people's list, the Amazon. Um, one thing that comes up with the Amazon, which is, you know, I feel like everybody likes to look at peacock bass, you know, like, yeah, that's awesome. Massive. And peacocks. they're massive and they're, they're really, they're sick, right? But honestly, for me, aside from peacocks, I mean, yeah, I would love to catch one. I'm not going to pass it up. But, like, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. Arapaima, dude. Yeah. That's if I could, That's like one of those fish where it's like some people don't even get the opportunity oh. to catch them even in the they're Amazon. so rare. Because man. being in the Amazon itself, you got to be, you know, in that little lagoon where they're all at. Man, and that's insane of a, in of itself. It's nuts. And you're talking, there's piranhas, there's all these crazy type of species, and then there's... Arapaima, it's like yeah. what? I mean, and, and I'm sure they're concentrated in places, but the Amazon is so vast, right? And so big that if you, I mean, and there's some really crazy. You talk about like Tropic Star, but if there's there's some, you know, lodges and shit you go to down there that seems like really sketchy, but like the guys that live there, they that's know the spots. Yeah, that these they know it, live, right. and it's just. It's and phenomenal. that's the crazy thing about the Amazon. It's like, like you know, to your point. If you're a guy or, you know, you're with a local, which, or, you know, a guy, which for the most part, I, if I went to the Amazon, I'd have to be with one. I don't know the layout over there. Right. Um, you know, they're going to take you to the spots that they know. But imagine the spots that they don't even, like, there's spots that haven't been touched Ever by touched. probably anyone. I mean, traditional. You know, I mean, maybe the, the tribes, yeah. the locals, whatever, but, but I'm like, saying. There's like, spots in the Amazon that haven't been civilized. Like, that's what I'm saying. People, like, no regular right. civilized humans have ever been. And that's know? the really cool thing about Tribal the Amazon. Waters. Right. You could take a cast in an area that, you know, maybe the only people that fish there are hand lining or they're setting out traps or whatever. Like, you don't. You know, no. imagine throwing a plug there to a fish that's never seen a plug yeah, before. And like, then LBN just right, like, like skipping under a tree. It's, right. It's like, so that's why Amazon's definitely on my list. And I'm sure it's on everyone. Or, you know, 9 out of 10 guys on, on that, you know, Amazon's on their list. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's on my list, and it's, it's, I feel like it's, you know, maybe not as talked about as much, but it's another like really cool fishery, at least I think. I would say like the Nile River in Africa. Sheesh. Yeah, that's cool. uh, it's mad random. Mad random. Uh, mad, mad random. But for sure, it's, I think, an insane fishery. Uh, Goliath tigerfish has always been like something that's on the top yeah, of my mind. Like They're gangster. Yeah. I mean, listen, the only problem with the, like all these things is like 
the knowledge that we would have to take in. Oh, yeah. You know but what I mean? Like, but that, you could pay it's people. not even a problem. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, like, it's yo, a good problem to have. Listen, I don't know how to catch one of these things. They look bizarre, but I know how to angle. Right. So just put me on where right. they are and what do you use to and catch yeah. them and I'll do my job. And then while I'm in Africa, you know, I know it's a, it's a bit of a jump. The Nile's gigantic. But, you know, if I ever had this, the time and the opportunity, like, like they say, when in Rome... An honorable mention would be like fishing in South Sudan. Uh, I w- I watched a few YouTube videos of one of my favorite YouTubers, John B. He did a, a whole series there catching GTs and doggy and doggy uh, doggy two tuna dogfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the real dog. It's fish. a doggy. It's got, a doggy. Shout out not ben what we Jones. got here, but you know that fishery is just another animal in of itself that's insane. So if I could get my hands on that, you know, in the Nile, just tie that in, you know, two week, three week experience be insane i don't know where i'm finding the time to do all these things but we'll see where we go yeah, yeah that's that you I, I said the uh the gt buster yeah G, ben yeah Jones no, ben jo- no he was in it's that dog, he was in that dog. uh that that video with john b oh yeah yeah he did oh, it he did like a collab with them or a cameo whatever sense, you call it. Yeah. i don't know what you call it on youtube but whatever it's called that's what he did <laughs> and it was sick and then on top of it they also did this one day while they were out there and they're sitting on a reef in the middle of the red sea catching trigger fish on a fly like could you just imagine you know what i mean like we're over here debating like yeah what plug should i throw for a bass and these guys are sight fishing trigger fish in the middle of the red sea it's insane, insane. like the world just has so many opportunities yeah. to offer. i mean and those are all really good ones amazon's definitely on my, my probably top three but south america in general has an incredible fishery like those right. are all great saltwater uh, opportunities but one highlight south america that i mean a lot of people do know about but doesn't get highlighted nearly enough is uh i i shouldn't say that it's it's number one in the world probably from a freshwater perspective but would be um golden dorado in like patagonia yeah the like river trout like it's the same thing as fishing for any trout you're in a small brook and it's usually running water it's yeah. it's mountain water it's not like a, a new york brook. yeah it's that cold but it's dude these fish are massive and you know fly fishermen from all over the world chase them but you know it's not just about the salt water salt water obviously always takes the highlight one big one for me would be you know cabo st lucas or you know, like you said panama chasing like a blue marlin that's yeah that's, that's top tier fishing i mean but how could that not be on your list fresh, you know the freshwater fishery is phenomenal and then there's also places on our wonderful planet earth that you could do both and right. have a crazy success rate like think about alaska bro right. you go up to Alaska's alaska and you could catch, catch a halibut 200 pound halibut and then go catch salmon and yeah. then go catch sturgeon yeah everything. it's it's all kinds of shit so it's like there's so many places you could do both and there's so many cool opportunities um that i you know i would i would love to do in my lifetime now that doesn't mean and i, I touched on it before but it, that doesn't mean that there's not if you can't travel there's not a ton of stuff to do right here yeah, in the tri-state no, area. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the simple things, you have incredible fishery here on the South Shore of Long Island, obviously. You yeah. know, South Shore, fin, North Shore. Inshore bluefin Long Island tuna. in general. Is just... You have striped bass. You have all kinds of stuff that you catch here. But then you have this, the North Shore, which during different times of the year, but you know, you, you have different fisheries right. on both ends, different applications. Um, and then you can move up north even. You know, you go north north of 287 up to Taconic and you're you could go up to Roscoe, New York right. Roscoe is is known as Trout Town USA um, Roscoe is is uh, a spot actually that uh, rivers converge there's different tributaries but the primary ones are the, the Willamock and uh, the Beaverkill yeah. and I mean trophy brown trout Rainbows, you name yeah. it. There, I mean, there. even if you want to like, you know, size it up a little. Look at the Hudson. The Hudson, in of itself, touches so many pieces of water. Oh, it's yeah. just insane. I had the water quality might not be as good as. It's so sad. Yeah, what you're like, getting in some area. I mean, as you go upstate, it gets better. But you know, in parts of New York, it's like that's a glacial river though. Polluted, like there's but, sturgeon in the Hudson yeah. River. Yeah, no, definitely. As you go more north, you you touch on species that like you wouldn't anticipate to have, and as you get south, you start to see more bass. You know, more. More, uh, I guess you could say, brackish-like species and in, in the species that can kind of, you know, sit in the Living fresh both, and yeah. the salt. Yeah. And what the cool thing about Long Island, too, is, or just in New York in general, having Long Island in it, is, like, it's one of those things that in the eastern seaboard alone, if you think about it, it's a piece of 
land that sticks out horizontally. And you really don't get that anywhere else in the eastern seaboard. I mean, yeah, you have that with the Cape, but, like, you know, nah, most of everything is usually vertical. Out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So to, to have something that sticks out horizontally, it's really cool because east-west, it's a whole... Dude, look, Montauk is known as the surf casting capital of the world. Right. We spoke about that a little bit on the first episode. Um, but it's the surf casting capital of the world. People travel from all over. To, to have a to shot get to at Montauk. bluefish it's, and stripers. Yeah, so. Montauk, everywhere. And then you even, even going further than that, you have like the Finger Lakes. And right, if it, you go the other direction, 100%. Yeah, dude, like you could jig lake trout, there's walleye, there's smallmouth, Smallies, trophy yeah. pike and muskie, all kinds of shit. So, yeah, yeah guys, if, if if you don't have the, the, the capability of traveling even right now hey, and you, you can't you're, hop on itching, a plane. you're itching to get some opportunity, I mean, Vin and I do it, the, a lot of lot of time on the road, but there's some really really cool opportunities out there. Yeah, and I mean, and to your point, one of the good things about fishing, you know, or driving to your fishing spot, I should say, I mean, you know, as opposed to you know planning out a whole trip behind it, is you can really kind of dive in and do it your way. Yeah, and you kind of get a different aspect to fishing. I mean, it's great. You know, I'm doing it in February uh, when we go down to Florida. You know, we we're, we going down there for a week. We booked a guide. Uh, to go tarpon fishing. I'm going down there with, with Gab, uh, my fiance. We're going, you know, and it's going to be lit. Don't get me wrong. I'm pumped. I'm excited. But it's also cool when you kind of plan something out. You drive there yourself. You have no guide. You go in blind and you still get results. They might not be as good as when you have that guide with you. Yeah. But it's, you know, for those of you that, that can't necessarily plan that trip and get that guide, open up Google Maps. Yeah. I mean, listen, everybody does it, right? Everybody's always at that, and, at that point where they're Honestly, Google not mapping. even just Google Maps. Like, yeah, that's that's what you're going to go to to find like a spot with, right, uh, within right. a body of water you want to fish. But do your research. There's a ton of stuff out there. Google is your friend. Just go on there. You right. Figure out different applications, how these people are catching these fish in these different areas. And uh, you could create some opportunities for yourself. And I... I know that I could speak for myself and a lot of other people, but doing those trips and, and being able to to travel to those places and, and do it on your own is like almost even way more rewarding um, catching those fish, putting yourself on, and, and that, that satisfaction you get of being like, you know, yeah, I did, I did this that. solely. That was me. I yeah. didn't know what was going on here. Like, it, it's worth every second. Man. Yeah, I mean, to give you guys a perfect example, like uh, my brother and I, we took a trip out to, you know, way out east a um, couple couple months back. I was about to say a couple of weeks, but who am I kidding? You know, fall season's done. Uh, a couple months back when we heard reports of Albies coming through, we went to a spot that, no idea, never been there before. Had to use the GPS to get there. Most of the time when we go fishing, I mean, we yeah. never use a GPS. No. We, you know, most of our spots we've been at the time. I know a legal spot to hide my yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so me and him get out there. I wake him up at 5 in the morning. We drive. We, we get to the spot. It's like, I don't know, 6.30-ish, whatever. And it's all new land to us. And yeah. what do we see? We see a bunch of guys fishing. So what do you think? Okay, there's fish here. Yeah. You know? Not necessarily, that's not to say that when you see people fishing, it always means that there's fish, fish. there, but it's kind of, I mean, why would yeah, other people be fishing there spot. if they're not catching fish? You know right. what I'm trying to say? It's not written so, up in a magazine, you just right. use your own context clues. Right, and I got a tip from a buddy of mine to take a shot and go out there, so I did it, and uh, listen, did I get rewarded? No, I didn't catch anything. I hooked up a few times, wasn't able to land them, we were going for Albies, so everybody knows how that goes, but... Uh, it's just the point of going out there, doing it on your own, doing it your own way. It's incredible. And that's like what you were saying earlier. You know, if you can experience all these places around the world, it's great. But if you can, you can do it in your own doorstep. And what New York has to provide for you, go for it. I mean, yeah. even if you have to go outside of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Massachusetts, yeah. go for it. Why not? It's amazing, right? I, I was talking to Evan the other night, and he, he made a good point um, about, like, how fishing could just provide there's so many opportunities in so many different ways, but they all kind of like intertwine, you know, there's, there's, I mean, not all of them, right. Different tactics, different yeah. applications, but when you understand gear and, and how to fish different apl applications based on what you, where you are, or what you're targeting, it's, it's amazing how diverse it can be. Right. I snowboard. I love to snowboard, but Going to a snowboarding mountain, and I've traveled some really, really cool places. I'm, I'm not neglecting it. I love I love snowboarding. But there's the mountain, and they all provide different experiences. But 
you know, it's all about the the culture around the mountain. What's the the town look like? What what's there to do? Opera ski. Yeah, what's the vibe, like, yeah. And that that's it's fun. I really love that. But there's fish living in a brook three miles into your woods. Te- you know right around the corner from your house and there's fucking 800 pound marlin just swimming around in the deep blue sea it's like there's so many different things to learn and get good at and it's so satisfying when you like level up your game as a whole and go to these different places and do these different things it's just it's phenomenal and yeah. that's like part of what like keeps me in the game because it's like you, you there's never you're always a student there's right. you can master a fishery of where you live but there's always something different yeah, and I think to your point, that's one of the reasons that really drew us into doing what we're doing, um, especially with this podcast, because it's like, you know, when you have all this, this passion, this joy, and then you find somebody else, like, you know, luckily, you know, we were able to meet each other one day while fishing, and then look what it turned into, this, you know, wonderful friendship that was yeah. initiated through fishing and, you know, it's now carried what out, this thing does, you know, man. not only, you know, we hang out all fishing, not fishing, whatever, but... The point is, like, fishing provides you so many opportunities, so many experiences. So that's kind of, like, why this pod became what it is. Because we were like, yo, it's honestly just, like, creating, like, you know, a Facebook for fishermen. Or an Instagram for whatever. Like, an an area, a network where people can just be like, yeah, you know, this one time XYZ happened. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a really cool story. And then that leads into another thing. And then next thing you know you're passing information through the grapevine or just through conversation and it just excels everyone as a whole. I mean, I think that's like one of the big elephants in the room with fishing. It's like, you don't want to give up too much because it's like, yeah, as much as I love it, as much as I want to be knowledgeable, I also don't want to be shoot myself in the foot when this guy goes to that spot the next day and hammers him and there's nothing left for me. But it's also like, that's what brings a, a network of fishermen together as a whole. It's like, not necessarily that you got to go and give up what's working for you, but, you know, more so, like, what tactics, what strategies. Like, I feel like that's not harmful, and I feel yeah, like a yeah. lot of people see it, like, negative. Like, oh, why are you saying stuff like that? I also that? feel like it's just, like, a good karma kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you pass something on, like, it, it comes back It comes back to you. The right. experience comes back to you. People are on your side now that right. you, you supported. And it's, you know, I think you bring up a good point. It's 2024 now. I'm not going to say, you know... Don't obviously don't spot burn, right? Everyone yeah, has their that's places a given that thing. We, that's we've like talked about rule. ourselves, but like that's you hold certain places close to your heart. But don't be that guy on on the beach or in the woods or you know wherever you may be fishing. That if somebody like asks you a question, don't act like you're better. Yeah, don't than be anyone. rude. Don't you know be what I'm rude. Saying? Like this year, try and challenge yourself to go out there and and, and provide some value to somebody else. And and I promise you, like. It comes back. It comes back 100%. around. You know, treat people good in this game. Remember the 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 focus of this is to, to grow it and 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 support the fisheries we have to have as many people as possible, making sure that these fisheries are, are taken care of and have a full life because they're sustained and you know it, it, that it's only going to do better for everybody if we're all contributing and encouraging. You know, yeah, so. no, hundred percent. Nobody was born with a fishing rod in their hand, right? And if you were, then I don't know what to tell you, but. That's probably, yeah, probably that's probably a miracle in yeah. itself. But yeah, no, that that's the great thing about fishing. It's it's a knowledgeable experience. Yeah. You know, every time you go out in the water, and we touched on this last episode, you learn something, and that goes in, that ties into what we were saying about fishing in New York alone, because it's like such a vast area of fisheries, and you don't need to go to all these places. Like, yeah, I want to go to Panama. I want to go to the Nile. I want to fish. XYZ. I want to go to Australia. I want to go everywhere and fish. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I still haven't touched so many places in front of me. And even the places that I do go to on a daily basis, if I go three times a week, the fourth time I go, I learn something new. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. Nah, and it's awesome. And with that, I mean, obviously, everybody's got, got the gear that they use primarily for what they target. But sometimes you might not have something that, you know, particularly applies to the application that you're going to do or try for the first time. So, I mean, there's, there's some general concepts and I just want to touch on, um, some of those gear applications, um, talking about different sizing and some different manufacturers that, you know, we personally like like, to use. I think that's a great Um, idea. So yeah, from, I guess we could start off with, with the home base. Um, for, for the people that are getting involved and, and just getting into this, I, I would say that 
if you're living on Long Island, something that you if you don't have access to a boat, the first thing you probably want to get your hands on is is just a combo that you could access the pier with. Learn how to tie your knots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learn how to how to tie different rigs, whether you're tying dropper loops or chicken rigs or even if you're just going to a store and buying a rig and learning how to tie a fisherman's knot just to connect it on. Get it get a feel for that rod, you know, mm-hmm. and just and just get your feet wet. So off the piers, um, different applications, right? So locally we have, I would say, striped bass, bluefish, fluke, sea bass, porgy, sea robin, blackfish, Black sea bass. all capable of yeah. being caught from a pier. Oh, easily. So you always want to make sure that you're strong enough and you want to be able to support whatever your whatever the bait that you're fishing is going to be ate by or whatever your plug is targeting. Right. But you also want to make sure that you're you're keeping enough touch in that rod so you could feel a bite and and you could you could really get into um you know the 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 application getting a learn to feel the touch of each bite and how different fish approach you know whatever bait you may be using so i would say personally and then you if you disagree just let me know but anything from like the if you're if you're targeting the smaller species you want to use like a 3000 size reel yeah. And then I would say on the pier, you could go all the way up to like a five or maybe like some small six Ks if you want to target yeah, bass. Six Ks is a big range, you know, right. depending on the brand. And that's just going to give you line capacity, or you could put a little bit of a thicker line on there in case you're fishing around different obstructions. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's that's a good place to start. Anywhere from like a th- three to a six K, I would say like a 4,500 or a 4,000. That's right. In the is, sweet spot. It's probably yeah. like if you could buy one rod, that's, that's probably what I'd go. I mean, listen, if I had to, if somebody came up to me and said, Vin, I want to get into fishing. What do I get? What do I put in my bag? What rod do I get? I'm going to tell you this straight out. Go to the store, uh, Walmart, bait shop, wherever, Dick's even. Get yourself a nice pen set up. It could be anything, honestly. But I'm just saying pen because that's what comes to mind. Get yourself a pen battle. It's like 200 bucks, whole combo. Uh, Get like a 5K combo. It's an 8-foot rod. Honestly, when you're first getting into fishing more is better and i don't say that in the sense of price like not that the price is better if it's more but if you have more of a backbone more power more um you know strength in your line let the rod make up for what you don't know or what you're still trying to learn right as you get better or as you have more of a touch not necessarily getting better but if you have more of a touch and a feel for what your rod what your line what your style is like then you can introduce that finesse type of fishing, that light tackle type of fishing. Because right. the last thing you want as a young, not even a young, but just as a new angler getting into the game is to lose a big fish because your tackle's too light. Because yep. honestly, I've seen a lot of people, or I've heard a lot of stories about people who tried to get into fishing and just never kind of followed up with it because they were just outmanned, outgunned right. uh, with their gear. And it's a shame because that's like, you know, I don't know what type of fish they were hooking up with because the story never goes that far, but... It's always like you don't that you don't want that to be the reason why you stop fishing. You know what I mean? Right. So that's definitely one thing that you I tell people. Another thing is uh, my fault. No, no, no. Another thing is uh, when you get yourself your gear situated. You know, Mark always calls me Mister Gadget, but the reason behind it is because I do own a lot of gadgets, right? He but is Mister Gadget. One of the reasons, <laughs> uh, or one of the, the gadgets I would say is, you know, borderline necessity is uh, get yourself a nice pair of pliers and scissors and cutters or a multi tool for that matter because when you're fishing you gotta think about it you're still outdoors you don't know what could happen um you know a lot of times with fishing it's about cutting the line the right way if your line is frayed and you want to recut you want to you know or you got to cut your bait you got to do this you got to do that if you pack light you pack right so if you can get something that can help you out all in one shot go for it yeah and and that's so and and that's a great point i think look I, i there's a lot of times i i go out and i I, I guess I'm spoiled because I know that I have Vin <laughs> in my back pocket with just about everything on his belt. But there's a lot of times that I go out if I see something going on, and you know, a lot of people keep their rods or tackle in their car, especially when the right. season starts. Um, I go, I've gone out before, and you know, there's nothing worse than catching a striper or something, and then he chokes your plug, and you set the hook really hard. It's awesome, everything's perfect, and then you get him in, and then it's like. I can't reach that without either. Yeah, I don't want to kill this thing. Fucking my yeah. hand up or yeah. like, so yeah. I I um, I would say 
definitely don't neglect the tool side of things. I know when you're getting in, you might not want to spend a lot, but there's no reason that, and, and I do it all the time because I lose or break them, but go on Amazon, just buy, yeah, like get, a said, get a multi-tool get a multi-tool, it costs you 15 to 30 bucks for a better one. I mean, there's obviously nicer stuff out there, but make sure you have that stuff with you um, and, and and just go from there. You know, as, as you start to build out your arsenal, um, I, I would say that that's what you want to start with, like, you know, that mid-size reel, but get, get you know, a nice medium-heavy rod, something that's rated up to, you know, three, four ounces, yeah. and you should be pretty good to, to get started. Um, that being said, that's not all that there is, right? If, if you're fishing on a pier, typically it's a little bit of a lighter application, but that doesn't mean that big fish can't come by. Um, but I'd say if you're out front, and you're on the beach side of things, you want to be fishing with a little bit of, of a heavier setup. Yeah, you want that backbone. So, you know, it, a lot of guys use surf rods, and that's primarily what you want to be using, but that doesn't mean that you can't use, like, an eight- or nine-foot rod, especially if you're throwing some bait. You, you have, you know, spearing or squid or clams, Clam whatever it may be. Um, but you want to make sure you have the line capacity because you're going to cast that out, and something bigger could come along. You're fighting against the waves. So that that's where I'd say like you know you want to use probably like a five or six k minimum, um, and then if you're you you decide to target some bigger species, I know in the last couple of years like we've talked about, there's been cobia, um, different sharks. I know you're not supposed to target them because and be be mindful of where you are, but the sharks you know you want to even be using something like an eight k that has the line capacity and, right. and you, honestly, you know people say it all the time. You, handling those fish is is what you really have to learn like getting bites on the beach anybody can really do it so don't be scared to try something like that um you know just just give yourself time to learn don't get frustrated um and and i'd say yeah like just an inshore and a, a beach setup especially if you don't have access to a boat that's what you really need to get started on the the saltwater fishing here on on long island yeah and uh, uh to mark's point when you're getting into something like that, especially fishing on the surf, you know, one of the big things in mind is, especially for new anglers, is safety. I mean, that should be in your mind no matter what you do in life, but especially while fishing, you can't forget that you're outside in the outdoors, in the wild. You know, it, this is real deal stuff, you know. I mean, when I say in the wild, yeah, you're not in some remote area, but like, you know, how many times you hear these crazy stories where uh, these guys are, you know, wearing waders and stuff and you know, there's a leak in their waders, and now, you know, God forbid, they almost drowned because they got so much water coming in through their waders, and they didn't have a knife to cut, you know, the, the waders strap off, or, you know, guys are handling fish on the surf, and they get knocked over by a wave, and they dislocate their shoulder, and this and that, so always be mindful of your surroundings uh, when you're out there on the surf, new anglers, and even anglers who've been doing it for a long time, sometimes they need a reminder, I mean, happened to me earlier last season, you know, I'm walking, I'm in some, you know, uh, marsh area, and I step in the wrong spot, and I'm in both my knees deep in mud. Yeah. Luckily, I was with other people to help, you know, dig Shout me out. out. Yeah, for <laughs> real. But that's just to say, you know, be mindful of your areas. And if you're a new angler, you know, that's something to keep in mind. You know, know your surroundings. And before you dive into something, make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. Right. That goes for anybody across the board, like, you know, with anything you do, especially yeah. fishing, uh, you know. Another thing to also think about is here on Long Island, if you're going to be doing a lot of fishing, you know, and you want to get into it. Uh, fluke fishing it's yeah. it's a really fun way to get into it uh, not to say that fluke fishing is easy i'm not undermining anybody who does it you know commercially yeah. or whatever the case is definitely not because it's not easy but it's very fun and uh it's one of those things where you can necessarily get away with that lighter tackle if yeah. you're somebody who likes to play and you, you know things on the on, on the risk and you want to be on the beach or yeah. on the pier yeah. uh, depending on the time of the year that you get you know, you have a window on the beach, you have a window on the pier, you know, the fluke migrate uh, from the bay outside, back in, back out. So you, you get different time periods to go for them. Uh, if somebody was to say, Vin, what do you recommend for a fluke setup? Honestly, this is one of those setups where I'd go a little bit on the lighter side. Uh, you know, play your drag right still. Get get yourself a nice 3, 4K reel. Don't need to be $1,000 setup. Yeah, that same pier you know, setup. That same pier setup, maybe you size down to like a 7 foot medium medium heavy if you want medium light yeah. you know feel it out too you know they're if, right out front right like if you you're fishing north shore you, you go medium light if you're fishing south shore you're gonna be fishing right on the ocean you go medium heavy you go medium yeah. or medium straight up 
Um, you know, something with a nice tip that you yeah. get a feel for a bucktail or something you like know, that. Shimano but... makes a lot of nice setups. St. Croix, yeah. uh, they make a lot of good rods for fluke. You know, some people love them, some people hate them. But again, that's another thing when you're getting into it, you got to feel it out yourself. Uh, right. You know, pick up the rod. You know, see, am I going to be able to jig this with the three I mean, ounce weight on it or whatever? You know, a two ounce jig head? It's a tale as, told, as old as time. Like, right. there's a lot of times that you might try out a setup and then as you start to diversify and use some different, you know, plugs or right. bucktails, whatever it may be, different weights, different different types of sweeps on the water, You there's going to be different rods that you're like, wow, I, I like this rod that I use. And then you, you go another day and you might use something that's too light and you, you start to get that touch, like you said, it's, it's personal preference. Right. I could say on, on our side of things, I tend to like you know, something that's a little lighter than Vin does when we're fishing for even striped bass. Right. I just, I, I'd like to play them and you could use, I use like that 4k size reel. I use my VR 75, you know, that, that's something that I like to do. And, and that doesn't mean that Vin isn't using the same light tackle too, but you know, just in terms yeah, of like a cheaper setup, yeah. when we first started fishing, you, you fish that Daiwa MCAS for so long, yeah. and I love that rod too, but it's not necessarily like what I would be chucking all day, whereas for you, that you're like, yeah, that's, for me, that's, it was home, you know, that's it, what I want. Right, it was home base. So. so, great, I mean, great rod, and I'm not neglecting it at all. Um, there's so many, I'm just saying there's so many different, you know, things that it comes to when when it's like developing your own touch and what you like to do and how you like to fish yeah no 100 percent. and i think going into that you know kind of tying up everything that we spoke to, uh, spoke about today um you know when you're fishing long island you know i keep saying new york but you know we always tie it back to long island because that's mainly where we fish we go all over let's yeah. let's keep it a buck but we mainly fish long island because that's, that's where we where live we and that's where we're comfortable with so to keep this in mind, right, and just to send you guys out with something, if I'm putting a bag together, yeah. you know, let's collectively put a bag together of lures yeah. that will encapsulate Montauk to, let's just say, Raritan. You yeah. know, that whole stretch of land. I know Raritan's outside of Long Island, but I'm just saying, that whole stretch of land. Uh, what's in your bag? What are you putting in your bag? All right, so, yeah, I would say, especially if I'm targeting bass... Um, and there's actually some some plugs and baits that have crossover. Sometimes even yeah, some stuff them, you throw, yeah. you you throw like Chris caught uh, that fluke on a cotton cordell pop yeah, this right. year. That stuff. Happens, Everything's but, a wild card. You never but, know. Sometimes. But yeah, I would say definitely some bucktails and s- some jig heads, so I could fish like soft plastics yeah, because I think that's a necessity. You, you get whacked. I mean, if gulps are amazing, I would I would throw some of those in my bag. But just even just a jig head, you and you're you're dragging it across the bottom and you're popping slowly you could catch anything yeah, off the beach realistically soft plastic um, yeah. soft plastic so soft plastics i would say anything from you you want your bucktails and you want your jig heads and you want some soft plastics that'll apply to your jig heads heads um and then from there i would probably carry a couple shads mm-hmm. sticking in the soft plastic category um something like voodoo's um the tsunami shads are cheap and they're they're great um and then there's obviously some more expensive ones, but you know, just the starter stuff you find at Dick's really works. So yeah. no need to reinvent the wheel. Um, and then from there, I, I mean, I, I like my plugs, so I would probably carry at least a, a top water in like a smaller size, like mm-hmm. a, a four or five inch popper, and then something up to like eight or nine inches, and just keep that in the bag. If if I have limited space, I would probably go. Um, with either you know a nine inch or a thirteen inch dock spook, just yeah. so I have something big, or right. or I would go with just even something simple would be a, a, a tsunami or super strike bottleneck popper. Those mm-hmm. things throw water, so I would go with something top water, and then from there I would oh I always and you know this I I use shout out to Joe Bags, but the Swarter, um, oh, Swarter's like killer bait, I, absolutely unbelievable bait, and what they've done with that is just phenomenal. I, I you know, there's SP minnows, there's Yozuri hydro minnows, there's all kinds of different, you know, s- swimming plugs, but yeah. I think the Swarter is my favorite, so I'd probably carry one of the smaller, I think it's, what is it, six, six inch, yeah. and then the bigger one is a seven it's inch, I'd probably carry one of each, yeah. so if I had to just, yeah, if I had to assemble like a small bag just to get out there and, and try a few different things, those are like my essentials. Yeah, no, 100%, in my bag too, what I, I'd also throw in Again, shout out to Joe Bags. I feel like we're gonna be shouting him out every yeah. week because the guy makes great stuff. 
But um, his epoxies, yeah. they're lights out. They're sleeper bait, honestly, uh, or sleeper lore, I should say. And a lot of times people don't think to throw epoxies. They think, oh, we're only going to use epoxies for, you know, Blitzes or you know, Benito or Albi. But epoxies catch a lot of fish. They really yeah. do. You drag them on the bottom, you know, you can get fluke if you work them right. Uh, you drag them in the middle of the water column. You keep them slow in the right time of the year when the peanut bunkers are starting to show up. You know, you even get a bass that'll smack it, but mainly you'll get blues that'll come after it. You jig it up and down vertically, you get porgies and sea bass. Yeah. Uh, the epoxies just... they Albies. Albies, for sure. They love them. Bonitas, love them. When we get the Spanish in, in August, love them. Yeah. Uh, epoxies are just a very versatile bait that I feel like is slept on among a lot of anglers because... It has to be worked in different ways in order for it to work. Like as a, a swatter, for the most part, you're fishing it. No matter what you're fishing for, you're fishing it the same way. As opposed to an epoxy, you can almost fish it like a jig. You can fish it like a, a straight retrieve. You can fish it fast. You can fish it slower. So depending on how you work it, it activates a different style, a different look. So that's definitely in my bag. Diamond jigs, 100% of oh, my bag. Yeah. It's a very old school. Those are... Very old, reliable for me when uh, when you fishing. Love yeah, I love jig. my diamond jigs, especially green and red tails. Uh, you know, white tail too sometimes, but yeah. green is usually my go-to. I like the yellows too. The Yellow yellows I like too. Point. I like it. It's growing on me. Yeah. Um, but like it has to be more of like that sharp, a bright, that sharp yellow. Yeah, like, like that, a that short yellow green. or a bright lime green yellow. They make, they make the, uh, the dark yellow. I'm not that big of a fan. Dark yellow. I don't get as many bites on that, but the... The short yellow yeah. is really nice, and like then there's the also traditional green, which yeah, is like, like that the, forest green. That's usually like my go-to. Honestly, I really like that and the short yeah. like lime green. That's for me. It's all reliable. When it goes a couple of uh, days without a bite, I take that out, especially during the summer. Just work it nice in the fall too. It's a killer. And then honestly, another thing that I like a lot of people, you know, they some people love them, some people hate them. It's kind of like not really talked about too much. Is like I feel like the spooks. Like, I'm not talking about those big dock spooks that everybody, like, loves throwing for bass. Like, those are amazing. My fault. <laughs> no, no, don't get me wrong. Like, everybody loves, you know, throwing, and I love them too. But I'm saying those smaller, like, like Mark was saying, like, that smaller top water category, you but not those. necessarily, like, the popping ones. Like, more of, like, the slow walk the dog maneuver spooks. Uh, like the heat on ones, those are like the, the top of the line. Got the be- they're the best yeah. spook with the worst hooks of all time. For real. Game On is another upcoming brand that's making some really top quality spooks. Um, they make them in such a, a perfect small size. They make big ones too, but the small ones, I don't know. It's just the way they work, it really gets the fish going. And what's cool is with the spook is when you get a bite, you're usually getting a blow up. Yeah. It's not just like the fish, I mean, all top order, yes, but... When they hit that spook, because it's moving so slow and they want it so bad, they're literally sending it yeah. out of the water, right. and it's insane. And and talk about a similar bite, something that I didn't mention. And this is, like, really if I have the room, I would probably carry all those other things I mentioned yeah, before of course. that. There's always stuff like the extra, yeah, you know, yeah, the extras. Like, and and uh, the bag goes on. I, I mean... Every, if you know, you know. Let's just right. say that yeah, no, when you go to when you got that addiction, you go to the tackle shop. Yeah, and you the see bag never like, it never. Oh, gets that limited. could that could do it right there. But uh, uh, another one would be a, a metal lip. Yeah, they have uh, both both like a, a top water metal lip, or they have the ones that dive, um, and you know different retrievals for each. But that yeah. that slow wobbling. Yeah, similar metal to what I was lip. saying with the spook. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, so fun to just. It's, it's amazing. See that go down. So, yeah, I, I mean, definitely all that. And then I, I know you'll appreciate this because I'll say this while we're recording. But, you know, next time I'm we're at the spot, I'm still going to borrow your pliers. <laughs> um, but like we said, a, a, a good pair of pliers, pliers or a multi-tool, if that's yeah. that's all you could get. 100%. And uh, a lot of pliers come with cu- cutters built onto yes. them. Yes. Um, so those are great too. If you want to get the split rings, that th- those are great too because then you could change out your uh, split rings on your plugs and then... You, you also could use it just to take out a hook. Yeah, obviously. it makes it easier. That's um, a really good thing to keep in your bag, uh, a good then, knife. But aside from that, like the, the pliers that have like that built-on cutter, sometimes I notice, and I'm sure you could agree, but they, they start to dull down after they a do. while. They do. So another great thing to have would be either like the, the CUDA scissors mm-hmm. that we both use, and they also have the uh, the boomerangs, the boomerangs. traditional boomerang. Like it's, $3 on Amazon, yeah, can't beat it. Just buy yourself a boomerang, attach it to your belt, it's connected to a string, cut whatever you want, and it's, it's quick and easy. So... Just, just some of the essentials. Uh, then you, you know, if you have some other room, you wanna, you wanna carry a pair of grips. Yeah. Um, for bluefish stuff like that or bogas, you know that that that's great too. But 
Yeah, just just make sure every time you're going out, you're you're set up for whatever you may come across. Because like we said, all these fisheries provide some different stuff. So and I think another thing too, like you know, just to slip in there real quick, which a lot of people, or at least not, I shouldn't say a lot of people, myself, you know, I don't want to be speaking for others, but. I usually tend to forget a bunker snag sometimes. Oh my gosh. And you know, I know there's a, a lot pain of guys in the ass to carry. Yeah, I know. And and I know a lot of guys are out there like, ah, we only fish straight artificial, but yo, sometimes when the bite is not it's going down but the plugs aren't getting hit, old reliable yeah. live bunker, live peanut bunker, yeah. it and never fails. To swap out to a circle hook like really doesn't even take much. No. Just, just no. cast that out. Reel it back. Yeah, you don't even need a weight after try and live line relatively quickly. But bunker are pretty hardy. You cast them back out, live line it. Yeah, and I mean, go right for the tail. If you're targeting bluefish, just whack them with a a treble and then just let it drop. I mean, if you're targeting bass, obviously there's regulations in place to use circle hooks. Right. Um, Try not to be an ass. (laughs) Um, But yeah, obviously, you know, just definitely something that people forget on. Yeah, I feel like people just forget, like, to go back to the basics, the bunker snag, the bear hooks, you know, there's been a few times up in the North Shore where the bunker got real thick, and that's only the only thing the bass want, and next thing you know, you're looking in your bag, like, how am I going to get one of these bunker? You try snagging them with a swatter, and it's like, yeah, it works once in a while, but it's just so easy to just whip right. out that bunker snag, tie a basic knot, get yourself a bunker, and, get, and then, then get, get yourself a, a bass, yeah. and it's, it's, but, it's yeah, easy. So- that's 100%. That, like, covers generalized, like, salts, south and north shore. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, before we spoke about some of the different other different applications, now, if you're a Long Island guy, um, think it is something like trout or bass fishing, you know, going lake trout fishing. It might be intimidating to you if you, it's not something you do. Right. Um, but a lot of similar stuff applies. Just think sizing down. So when you're fishing for trout especially if you're fishing like in the Hudson Valley region, you want to be using really like a 1,000 size reel um, on and like something as small as like a five foot six to six foot rod if you're fishing like a really small brook or stream if you're not on the fly and um, probably up to like six and a half, seven feet. Um, that's really going to cover most of your like brook trout fishery. But that's not to say like if you go into a river or your yeah, bass fishing bigger body of water you could you could use like a 2500 or a 3000 and like a seven foot rod something that's probably rated like a medium and you know catch trout or whatever else on the same rod you're using for smallmouth and largemouth bass yeah no 100 percent. so i mean that that that's pretty much like the brook fishery fishery and and the uh the largemouth fishery i know a lot of guys use bait casters for the largemouths but yeah, you want to you want to stay on the lighter side, just size a little bit down from what you'd be using on the salt, um, and then even even going up to the, like the Finger Lakes, like I said before, if you're catching lake trout and whatnot, those are those are pretty sizable fish. So you could even bring some of that those four thousand four thousand size reels, three four thousand size reels, catch lake trout. I I've even seen guys use like the C five thousand XGs from Shimano, like. A smaller 5,000 reel with like a 5,000 spool on like a on a 4k body. Right. And so they uh, have the line capacity, but not yeah, the weight. Yeah, exactly. So and then you know if you're targeting like musky and pike, you could use something like that. Or even if you want to step up just a, a touch, um, you could probably use a lot of that crossover from stuff you're using even down here. If you if your options only a couple of rods. Yeah, and I, and I think you'll agree with me is a big thing that goes in this whether you're fishing salt, fresh, both sides of the spectrum. It's preparation, honestly. Uh, the more that you can prepare yourself, the more scenarios that you can envision and prepare yourself for those scenarios, whether it's necessarily you yourself doing the preparation or you're going out to you know bait shops or looking at YouTube videos or whatever the case is to learn how to prepare, that's honestly just the biggest uh, safety or the biggest um, way to support yourself. Asset. To you know, biggest yeah. asset to your game, to yourself. Um, the more prepared you are, the more circumstances that you can come and, you know, come to and encounter and get over it and, you know, be able to do what you got to do. Right. Um, you know, that goes for guys that are just getting into it. How many times do people trip up when they got to tie leaders on? Uh, Buy yourself pre-made leaders. A, and, and then it, you get good at it and you make yourself pre-made leaders. And listen, we're... It's 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 okay to be intimidated by, like, tying a leader and making right. sure your knot's good and... 
like we were all there you know and then eventually you get to a point where it's like all right i might use the the albright or the uni to uni right. or the alberto it, there's so many different knots to tie learn what you're good at and right. practice one a lot even when you're just hanging out yeah. at home, do and you that got shit. guys like Chris tying FG knots yeah, to go fluke fishing. Absolutely. It happens. It <laughs> happens. But like when it's your when it's your best knot, you know everyone's got their own. People, even when you're tying onto your hook, some people if you're using like an octopus eye, you might you're you're gonna right. snell it. Or if it's offset, or offset or this, hook. That. And then, you know, some people use a, a basic advanced clinch knot. Some people use a polymer, like myself. It, right. It's just it's really what you like to do. But yeah, in the meantime, while you're learning. Don't be scared of using like pre-made leaders and stuff like that. Where, you know, I don't suggest it. If you can learn to do your own knots going forward, it's going to be a lot stronger. Um, but don't be intimidated. Go into the tackle shop, ask questions, um, do your research online, and uh, you know you should be able to get into some of these fisheries that you, you you never really thought about right here in New York. Yeah, and going forward, if uh, anybody, you know, as we mentioned earlier, we got an Instagram that we're, we're putting up. Uh, it's the Fishing Hour Pod underscore. And, uh, yeah, if going forward, anybody has any questions, any, you know, ideas that they want to bounce off, whether you're experienced, not experienced, getting into fishing, been fishing for 40 years, we got ears for everyone. Fishing is learning. Fishing is learning. That's the, the key. That's the, the takeaway, and that's yeah, what it is. Absolutely. So, listen, guys, uh, we just want to thank you for hanging out with us. Like we said on the last episode, we're going to try and keep things to an hour. Yep. Um, Being that this is the fishing this hour. This is the fishing hour. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, if you have any questions, like Vin said, hit us up in the DMs. We appreciate you guys hanging out and we'll see you next week. See you next week, boys.